0: Hey best adapted listeners, Frank here to present this bonus episode that we have got on the feed for you today. This episode comes from Smite Me, a Torah podcast. Smite Me is hosted by our friend Josh, who you know from the A Most Wanted Man episode. It is him and his two friends Ayani and John working their way through the Torah verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and recording some really fun episodes about it. Caleb and I got to guest on an episode they did on movie adaptations about exodus we had a lot of fun recording this with them we hope you enjoy listening to it and if you enjoy the show please be sure to give smite me a torah podcast a listener subscribe in whatever app you're listening to best adapted podcast on thanks and enjoy
1: I don't think god, god the god priest shot. of the israelites mike mike mike
2: And did the old Robin Williams thing where he like, he steals jokes and is like cool about it. Like he like actually
3: pays for jokes, but I, yeah. But well, anyone who can survive and do that much cocaine for so long, <laughs> you kind of have to just
4: let him have it. It's the promise they give you is yeah. that faint taste of bitterness at the end of each bag. Oh. John or Josh, who wants to start it? Um, I can introduce it. Yeah.
5: yeah. You're the... You're the peacemaker. You're, you're the one who brought it all together. This is the fucking Camp David
3: of the podcast industry. So we're, this is—it feels great. Okay. Go in. We hate each other. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. At the end of the day, nothing is really been Ever, solved. Remember that
4: everyone is um, always a competitor.
3: That's right. Um, okay. What is up, Smite Me Nation? Uh, this is a historic <laughs> podcast for a number of reasons. Um, we are joined by my good friends Frank and Caleb from Best Adapted Podcast, a film podcast where they talk about uh, adapted movies and the stories that inspired them. What is going on, fellas? Hey, how's it going? Thanks
0: for inviting us to Bible study.
3: Oh, it's, it's our pleasure, um, and we look forward to your conversion to Judaism.
2: It's uh, actually uh, we there's we we have one note we, we did change our name we are now officially uh, God's Chosen Podcast. Oh, oh Lord.
3: <laughs> That's right. Well, as long as you don't claim the mantle of the of the world's most important Torah podcast, we can we can I think we can share uh, share the love. How um, crowded
0: is the Torah podcast scene right now?
3: <laughs> um... It's
5: not extremely crowded, but it's more crowded than I'd, I'd like it to be. I'll believe it <laughs> <is> it. <Yeah. laughs> yes.
3: Um, and so the other historic thing is that we are recording in person, at least on the smite Me side. Yay! It's true. This
5: is John Alcabes, comedian extraordinaire, um, and I'm sitting next to Ayana Hayashi. (laughs) Hey! We co-host the podcast with Josh, and we're all together today, um, for the first time, but we're still on Zoom with these nice boys from New York and Minneapolis.
3: So yeah, um, so on SmiteWe, we like to kick things off when we talk about uh, something that we either did or, you know, maybe thought about doing that would, uh, you know, bring us the wrath of the big man upstairs. Um, so did you guys do anything smiteable in, in your lives? Have you lived blameless lives like you're some sort of fucking saint? Or are you going to <laughs> be honest with us?
0: Well, uh, uh, and, uh, for my job, I, I sell pornography. So I, uh, this is door to door. not a bit, no, I work in a video store. I work at the last standing video store in Minnesota and we've stayed alive by selling porn. So, nice. uh, I think that is my big smiteable offense of the uh-huh. month. Um, but let me tell you, I think, I think the man upstairs was, was, was listening. I think he caught me. My basement flooded this week. Oh, so, um, oh. he sent one of the plagues and I felt like a fucking lunatic because the maintenance guys are like vacuuming the rugs and I was sitting in my living room, watching the Ten Commandments for four
3: hours. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, when like will like the punishment end? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Damn, wait, I, wow, I would listen to a whole separate podcast about your life as a, a porn vending video store guy. The stories run, they get, people People think they want that, and then the stories, like,
0: get very dry after, like, two yeah, minutes. Oh, like, yeah, oh like, another <laughs> old guy bought a lot of porn. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I guess
5: so. It's like DVDs?
0: DVDs, yep. All DVDs, some Blu-ray. And uh, they're they're buying,
3: not
5: renting, right?
0: <laughs> Wait, well, oh, we, oh. we do a lot of rentals too. Yeah, we do. Oh, both. You don't, we,
3: oh I don't want to touch the touch a used porn
2: box. Isn't I um, t- I, I, ahead,
0: I didn't Kate.
2: I didn't know that they sold porn on on Blu-ray. What is, uh, what what is is it just like 4K? What what is are, are, are they loaded 4K, with special I, features, I, behind the scenes footage, yeah, directors or, commentary? If you have a Dolby sound,
3: sound it, it really vividly uh, you hear the different slaps and slops. It's, It's great stuff.
4: I I actually know someone who did audio editing for a close to a feature film porn, whatever that is. Um, And he said the notes that he got back all the time were fucking wild of like, hey, can you replace this squelch? That one's really gross and we want something a little bit like –
3: a little less <laughs> Yeah, we don't want we don't want this to be too graphic. A PG thirteen squelch. Yeah. Oh my god, they have their like whole just like bank of different squelches. Like, yeah, let's get a number five in there. Wow. Yeah. I uh. The world's so big, man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: just so big.
2: How about uh Caleb? What did you do? Uh. Well, this is going back. A little ways. But I, I actually, I have been uh, uh, smitten, smited, smote. Mm, have, smitten. Have, we, have we You found smitten? a nice,
3: a nice, nice young.
1: <laughs> no, Go but
2: uh, for a, a little bit of, of background is, is that I received my bar mitzvah accidentally and against my will very late in life.
3: <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> I don't have I, any I, questions about that. I walked into uh, a, a coffee shop. And the guy behind the counter was a Hasid, and he gave me my coffee, and then he asked if I wanted to wrap tefillin. And I said, sure. He said, uh, you're Jewish? I said, yeah. He said, you ever done it before? I said, no. He said, you want to? I said, okay. He said, uh, you have a bar mitzvah? I said, no. He said, okay, we'll do it now. And uh, he <laughs> took me to the back corner of the shop, and uh, he had me just recite Hebrew to him. I don't speak any, I don't speak a fucking word.
3: Of was Hebrew, there like a it crowd like, in the coffee shop watching you be bar mitzvah? Literally empty except
2: for three people who walked in, turned around, and walked back out.
1: <laughs> but yeah, like he animal, had me,
2: whatever's going on. He just, I, so here's the thing is, I just thought that this, he was just, we were just praying. I just thought that he just like wrapped the tefillin and we were praying. But it was like 40 minutes of him just reciting <laughs> things in Hebrew to me and then having me recite it back to him. Were you running in for his, anything? Just I mean, so this this ends, and I sit down, and my coffee's all cold now. I'm really mad about that. And his his wife and their nine Orthodox children come like tumbling through the door, <laughs> and they start chatting in Yiddish for a little bit. And then she comes over to me and just and gives me cheese Danish and says, "Mazel Tov on your bar mitzvah." And I was like, "Oh." Fuck. <laughs> That was real, oh, dude. That so is, anyway, that, that's amazing. Wow, that is the background. So I I, 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 went into that shop wanting a a medium drip mm. and came out a, a mm. man responsible for my own wow. sins. But fast forward uh, several months to uh, uh, Yom Kippur, my first Yom Kippur as a man. Um, I often, <laughs> I often don't eat breakfast, which is when you think about it, kind of like fasting. Um, except on this particular day, I got a little bit, a little bit hungry around uh, around 3 p.m. You know, sun was still up, and I I wander over to the fridge uh, looking for a snack, and I remember it's Yom Kippur, and I think like, ah, oh, should I fast? No fucking way! Open the door, I eat three plums and go back to work. A couple hours later, I'm I'm uh, walking around, feel a little gurgle in the tongue. <laughs> oh, uh, oh no, oh, Caleb! But uh you know, I got time. And I start walking back towards my apartment. And uh, all of a sudden, like uh, uh, the opposite of the parting of the Red Sea occurred in my bowels. And uh, I don't know if you ever shat yourself, but like, it happens suddenly all at once. And then, it goes on for yeah you know, several seconds, and there's nothing you can do about it.
3: <laughs> oh no! And this is what you're just out on the street at this point. Yeah, D- yeah oh, Did you have to take the train? Oh, okay. Uh,
2: I know. I was just. I fortunately just had to walk, but I think, you know, a real piece of me died, uh, <laughs> <laughs> walking up <laughs> to a fourth floor walk up with a uh, you know pack mule with uh, a full Damn. load. Um, wow anyway that is my smiting
3: we uh you know just to any best adapted podcast listeners none of us believe in god or anything like that but um you guys definitely met god at yes. the same time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you maybe made me believe <laughs> wait were they
5: someone else's plums was it like that poem or it's like forgive me for i've eaten the plums that are in the plums are ice so box because hopefully you, know, you like to think that the guy from that poem uh, with all due respect, Caleb um, pooped himself, uh-huh. right? Like there's <laughs> there's some sort of cosmic justice. But if those were your own plums, then I think I don't think that was really fair.
2: Well, I mean, say, I mean, we'll we'll discuss it coming up. But uh, sometimes the Lord God, I am not such a fair guy. <laughs> I,
1: am. <laughs> I am. That classic.
2: Listen,
5: God, I am. I don't know. Whatever you mean. <laughs> buddy, pal. All right.
4: Um, I would also like to note that um, it's our first non-Jewish guest on the oh, podcast, true. Mr. Frank, Frank Meyer. You um, better be careful, <laughs> hey guys. Um, and that's like, and that's this is not something we never necessarily set out to only have Jewish guests. It's just sort of, you know, we 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 kind of like to sort of be able to relate on some level of like the a big part of our show is is not just like reading the the book, but also how it kind of holds up to uh sort of what you're taught as a child or or teenager and whatever so i'm kind of curious is there any like religiousness and you know in your life
0: um i grew up loosely catholic um the closest i get to religion now is going to chick-fil-a on a sunday and realizing they're closed yeah i like take the lord's name in vain and drive home hungry (laughs) and sad uh that's about the closest I get to. I've been to temple a couple of times. I, I dated a Jewish girl in college, so. Um, oh, okay. Been to a couple of Passovers, you, <laughs> you ever know. Ever been to a bar mitzvah? Prits- you ever got? You ever? I, I have never chilled? been to a bar mitzvah. Um,
4: had I, I had only gone to get coffee with Caleb that day, I could have made it
0: to one. <laughs> that's <but. laughs>
3: true. That's true.
4: Damn. All right. Well, that's that's fun. But you, I mean, even as a loose Catholic, you probably hear about. You know. That's why you know uh moses did maybe not so much moses but you'll hear a noah story you'll hear a uh is that fair kind of sure yeah yeah uh yeah again cannot
0: emphasize like very loose you know just Hmm. made it out for christmas basically um and like that not even so
4: but respect the traditions and everything you know yeah absolutely um so that's fun also I. I'm I'm very taken aback by by Caleb's story. Um are <laughs> all just processing. Yeah. Really the, the two of Complete them together. The like I mean, I mean shit in yourself fucking happens. Like that's a part of life. Everyone knows you <laughs> You, you have your first kiss you shit yourself for the first time yeah.
5: <laughs> no it's just it's New York, you York City the, you know you, know, you, 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 you accidentally a bar you yeah. poop your pants you move on with your life yeah. I think you're doing great
2: man I just
4: love the idea of me being late to a meeting and being like oh I'm so sorry I got bar mitzvah on my way over
1: here <laughs>
3: <laughs> it took 40 minutes yeah I don't, those hasids are persuasive though I've, I've gotten into some interactions because I just have a friendly gaze and then they catch you and they're like hey excuse me and I'm not gonna be like fuck you which is like fuck you. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) especially in this climate yeah 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 in this economy and all
5: they want to do is give you some candles or weird candy you know nine nine times out of ten they just want to give you some weird candy that tastes like a fruit you don't remember you know but they're they're good people it's very funny too in my
4: all my interactions i've only been to new york twice but when i've interacted with them they don't really want anything to do with me i wonder why that Mm. is (laughs) Mm. nothing to unpack there (laughs) um nothing all right shall we get into
3: uh into these pieces of cinema we 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 consumed so this is not a normal smimey episode this this might be at the movies this might be at the movies too fucking featuring reloaded um and we're watching two movies based on exodus we have the ten commandments
4: by cecil b demille or directed by you don't usually just say by um
3: which, uh, I think 1958, is that right, guys? 56. 56. We had them do the, the thinking <laughs> knowledge analysis stuff, and we're just here to cry <laughs> jokes, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to give you a, a preview of how this is going to go. Um, and then the other movie we got is uh, 2014's Exodus, Gods and Kings. Uh, Ripley Scott joint. Ridley uh, Scott, but who cares? Ripley, <laughs> Ripley. Um, Ripley believe man.
5: it or not, your movies suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: yeah. Ripley Scott, who did direct a lot of movies that are well beloved, but I'm gonna go ahead and say, just as a little teaser, if you're listening, that I believe to be the biggest coward in cinema history.
1: Cinema <laughs> history. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Gauntlet Throne.
4: Um, so basically, we're not going to go too much into the plot of what happens in the, you know, the Bible, the big book. Because, you know, if you're listening to Smite Me uh, before, you've heard all the, you know, shitty details and all of that. And if you're a, you know, best adapted listener, uh, the the stories hit all the points you need. They're quite po- – the Bible is I've heard is quite popular. It is.
0: If you're, a sm- if you're a best adapted listener, your soul is already lost. You're not going to heaven anyway. Don't waste time reading the book. It's over.
4: And, and as someone reading the book for a job, I can't even tell you how much I endorse that sentiment. Um. <laughs> um, all right. So if we, I guess if we want to start with uh, maybe if you've got like a little bit of background or a little bit of uh, something about the, the Ten Commandments. We'll kind of go a little chronologically here.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I got some time to jot some notes down while the, uh, while the guys were pumping out water from my basement, so, um, they must have uh, thought you
5: were so religious and you just watched that movie <laughs> and like, who is this fucking
0: freak? <laughs> yeah. uh, so as a Friday afternoon, this fucking incel was just wrapped <laughs> to the TV. Oh,
3: man. Um, your nose pressed against the screen while they're, like, dancing. Yeah, out. like, I mean,
0: really, though, no. <laughs> um, when Ann Baxters on screen, but anyway, um, I get ahead of myself. But um, yeah, so this movie comes out in 1956. It's Cecil B. DeMille basically remaking a movie he had done as a silent film in the 1920s. Uh, that movie was also like a very big biblical spectacle, and there are sets from it which are still buried in the in the California desert of uh, Barbara County um, because they just they just like sunk into the stand. So you will stumble on the occasional like Sphinx head. Or something there. Um, Oh, that is
1: conspiracy
4: fuel. I love
1: it. (laughs) It really is.
5: You're really just firing them up at that point.
1: That's so awesome. Um,
0: Yeah, so they make it in 1956, and uh, Demil's kind of like writing and creative team on it is a lot of other silent era veterans with himself. There's four credited screenwriters on the movie, uh, but I think kind of the big creative force is this guy named Henry Wilcoxon, who was... A, had been an actor in silent movies and then kind of matured into being a producer. And his job was basically to coordinate the four writers, these two researchers, one for theology and one for historical accuracy, and they made the 321-page script for this four-hour movie. Holy fuck. Um, uh, the point. people who made this movie, they take themselves very seriously. I'll just conclude here with one quote from uh, uh, Jesse Lasky Jr., who was one of the one of the lead writers on it. Um, the star of the Ten Commandments is not Moses, but God and the Ten Commandments, which I guess is sort of the classic Hollywood version of saying the real national treasure was the friends we made along the way. Yeah, or
5: like <laughs> saying that New York is a character. Yeah, in your- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Faster and better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, had any of you seen it before? I, I had pulled a.
4: I think I've pulled a tiny bit of uh, of audio from it for our very own intro drop um but i can't remember which line it was
3: um the god of the israelites <laughs> i think it might be that one yeah, uh, right yeah. For the israelites i think yeah. it's that i um, i'll confess to you guys and i'm i don't you know this might uh put a target on my back with best adapted nation not only have i not seen this movie this is the oldest film i've ever seen oh uh, my god <laughs> and not only that but this is probably the first movie i've ever seen made before 1970 <laughs> I'm being honest. Wow. You know, we have to we have to start from a place of trust. Do if you we're gonna know podcast again. what
4: year the original Godzilla film came out? I think it was
3: 2013?
5: like 2013. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to play this game all day. But what about like Wizard of Oz? Was that which came out first? Have you seen first of all? Have you seen Wizard of yeah. Oz? Yeah, Wizard of oh. Oz, you would have seen. That's right? 39.
3: Yeah. 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 Oh, that's 39. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. World War II was happening, and they were fucking watching that? <laughs> uh, just,
4: just makes you think. Okay, so... Yeah, we can't accept all of these refugees into the U.S.
3: We have a movie to watch. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, yeah. I haven't seen a lot of old, old movies, really any of the classics, except for Wizard of Oz. And now this. Um... I gotta say, number one, I was blown away by
4: the fact that not only I've seen a couple old movies, but I really wasn't ready for there to be an overture,
2: mm. like
4: completely unrelated piece of music, yeah, for baby. you to like yeah. get into
3: the mood. You know, it's you're like, in a show; it's not just a film. It's oh like, yeah, it's a little bit of movie
4: foreplay. I think yeah. a lot of a lot of films would could take note, honestly. <laughs> yes. Um, and then I think also the fact that it starts with the director. Lecturing at you for a little bit is fucking wild too.
2: Oh, it's so good.
5: Yeah. yeah. And he's like, and, and like what does he say? Is, is it the director movie is... is that our man Cecil?
2: Or is that the Cecil narr-
0: and he's the narrator? He all yeah, he voices yep. God.
2: <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, no, I, that is actually not true. The uh the voice of God is is Charlton Heston.
0: It is on the scene where he talks to the burning bush, but the narrator oh, yeah, the yeah, is yeah, also yeah. credited as God
2: Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yep. You film boys,
1: shit.
5: fuck yeah. you, shit, <laughs> baby. Yeah, I got. I'm just sitting here like, damn. I thought God was James Earl Jones.
3: That's crazy. <laughs> I do. In his little speech, it's kind of funny. He sort of is like. And by the way, this is a little bit about communism. I mean, like, not really, but he does say he's like, you know, this is a story about. It's a whether, lot of bit about whether man lot of bit should be the co- property of state or free to pursue his own ideals, and it's like interesting. That's that's one way to look at what this is all about. I was also blown away by the fact that he comes out, lectures at you, kind of
4: set kind of covers his basis for like, hey, this is really important for me and also like religious people, please don't get mad, we're being respectful. And then also like, you know, curtain comes down, fade to black, movie starts, and then he's just speaking again as the yeah. narrator. <laughs>
2: <clears throat> can sorry, can we can we actually like pull back a little bit and talk about the like geopolitical context? Of this movie, oh, I like, would love to. Yeah. yeah, I was
5: thinking about that—the fact that this movie about like slavery and the Israelites and all that shit came out in 1956.
1: Like, <laughs> yowza!
2: Yes, yeah. I would say yes. I would say there's this the Cecil B. DeMille uh, speech about how this this movie is actually about communism and about like the justness of the American way and how the and the Hebrew people are like the are the spark of freedom. I think what's really interesting is that this movie is mostly filmed in Egypt um, in 1956 when Egypt is controlled by uh, General Nasser, who was sort of the face of pan-Arab nationalism, an avowed enemy of Israel who repeatedly went to war oh my God. <laughs> with Israel <laughs> – um, that is and in fact, based. And, <laughs> <laughs> in fact, the, the charioteers at the end of the movie are soldiers in the Egyptian military. Wow. Um, so all this entire movie, and I should say, uh, uh, this movie comes three years after the Suez Crisis, in which Egypt was invaded by Israel after uh, Egypt nationalized the Suez Canal, which is some commie shit. Um, right. Yeah, This is some fucking fraught shit going on, and uh, Nasser was like, you want to make your Zionism movie? Like, for sure, you're gonna pay me. Uh,
3: yeah. <laughs> you're gonna pay me a you lot of money. You want to make a movie where Elwood, the original inhabitants of this land are white people with American actions? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, that will simplify things. Oh my god, yeah. I'm
4: so glad you guys are here, because I didn't know any of that fucking context for this movie. That's great. That's fucking awesome. A+. plus. <laughs> <laughs>
3: One of the,
0: one of the guys in that scene almost broke his fucking deck. You see it when they're cruising into the into the open into the into the the, the Red Sea. Uh, a guy falls off his chariot, um, and all the other chariots are just pounding behind him. So he crawled off set basically and did not get run over. Wow! Uh, but they kept him. Fa- they kept his chariot just busting and him falling out in the movie.
3: Look, you don't stop you moving notice. until they say cut. So <laughs> yeah, he uh, yeah. did. The, he did the right thing. <laughs> you crawl. I and- just
5: the, like. Even though it was filmed in Egypt, like that that guy who's the Egyptian guy? Na- Nasser? Nasser. Nasser,
0: yeah. Wait, oh Nasser, okay. Now, him
5: like letting them film the movie there even though he was like their enemy is like just some of the most Hollywood shit I've ever heard.
4: Oh, you know what? That actually reminds me. I did do a tiny bit of research into the, uh, and it, we can kind of then launch it into in the film for real, for real after this, just because we're talking about historic context. I did a little bit of research on the historic context of this story in the Bible that they're telling now in the form of a film. Um, general consensus is there's no record of it ever happening.
3: Of the Jews in Egypt, you Yeah.
4: That? Um, And people have been looking for, as you can Mm. imagine, a long time. So a a false flag
3: origin story.
4: Yeah.
1: (laughs) 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 Or or something.
4: Um, And then there's, there's basically two little lines that I fell down. One was an interesting, not really interesting, article by an Orthodox rabbi that was literally just like, why we need to why we need to use the Bible to recenter all of our knowledge on Egyptian like timeline and history, because there's no way that the Bible could be wrong. Mm. Um, mm. which was an interesting lane. And then the other one was a sort of like it's not really a full theory, but basically that puts that basically said that it's possible that the people who would become the Israelite people, were living in Egypt at the time had a separate legend about leaving there at the same time that there was this kind of massive invasion by these people who are literally just called the Pete the fucking sea
2: people. Yeah, the sea people are so cool.
4: Yeah, and they kind of just are like these Bronze Age like Viking Mongols who just kind of like ran through Egypt a couple times every now and then,
2: and they are kind of the plague. This is the coolest thing in in like in history for me is the sea people because it's not just Egypt. It's all around the Mediterranean, like, like ancient Greek culture, like the Hittites, like all around Anatolia. There's just like mentions of like these people who come in boats and they absolutely wreck everyone's shit and they disappear. But like uh, this is at the same time where like ancient Greek culture like completely collapsed. And so this is one of the theories is that the sea people came and just like murdered everyone and then left and went to Egypt for a bit. Um, but there's like this, nobody knows anything about them. They're just this mystery. And I don't know, that's cool as shit.
3: That's pretty spooky.
4: Yeah, so there's like, like I said, there's kind of like the idea that maybe the story of the sea people coming up and just laying fucking waste to Egypt and then the story of that possibly being the reason that all these nomadic people left for the land of you know, Canaan, Israel, whatever, that those might have kind of g- just gotten smashed together because they were kind of different stories happening at the same time. That basically, when they got written down, it became uh, the sea people are the hand of God. That's our side. Uh, we left, we were slaves because you need to have a good sort of narrative reason to leave and for, you know, to justify, quote unquote, all of the horrible shit that's done. And then it becomes sort of like that. Uh, land stake, you know the rest of the story. That, but so yeah, that was my little historical context corner, which I thought was interesting too. Because you know, it's this movie. It's it's funny when they say that both of these movies are like we're trying to be as historically accurate as possible, and maybe that means just not making <laughs> yeah, a
5: movie. It just yeah. It two, hours, two hours of sand. Yeah, <laughs> right. historical accuracy. Yeah. Another note I want to make about this movie because. I don't know if we're gonna get into it. I'm probably gonna have stuff to say about how, like, first of all, how very horny it is as a movie, and second of all, rated G, <laughs> G for general.
3: What's what's the issue with that? I mean, does it not? You don't
5: think you don't think it's a little crazy that, that movie's rated G? There's like, a
3: lot of really big tits for a G movie. Well, they're not Ow I mean, that's. I feel like that's kind of the. As someone who's never seen any of these movies, the thing that makes these kind of movies great is that they don't have to do all <laughs> this stuff. It's implied. It's, you know, it's it's banter. You
5: don't have to do all of what stuff?
3: Well, just like... It's like not graphic or really that violent. I guess so. I guess I just don't think a movie
5: this long should be rated G, but that's... <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true.
3: <laughs> not right? appropriate
5: for that's, yeah. That's but a
3: scandalous length.
5: I, also, I don't know. I'm sure... I don't know how the, like rating system was in 1956 or if it was just kind of like was it just either g or r It was either communist or allowed
3: (laughs) 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 but yeah i don't know i
0: mean pretty much it was g or you didn't get released i mean there's the occasional like foreign film that'll get brought in that because their countries you know other countries have different standards or whatever um i don't know in the first pg movie i think that rating gets invented in the 70s or something is my guess. Um, yeah, so everything is just G, you know.
5: Hmm. Pretty much interesting. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. And then why even have it? Did he, what, Did they call it a G-rated movie they, at the time? They, no, this, they,
2: this yeah, was this the area big. of the Hays Code. So, it, the mm-hmm. um, in order to stave off government censorship, all of the major studios collaborated and, and came up with a system of self censorship. So there was, you know, no nudity, no like uh, certain. One of the
0: one of the big ones I'll always point to is uh, a man and a woman cannot be in the same bed together in yeah. Hays Code movies. So if you ever see an old, if you ever see an old movie, a black and white movie, they almost always are sleeping in separate beds. Even if they're like a married mm-hmm. couple. Is that like, where that the, comes from? Just that That's reward. where that comes from. That's why, yeah, whenever you see old movies and the husband and wife have singles next to each other, that's because they, they're they not allowed well, to yeah. show in
5: movies, all in movies, it comes from that. In real life, it comes because sometimes the love uh, goes
1: away. <laughs> 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 but, uh,
5: we can, I don't know, let's talk about this this film. Um, yeah. It's,
0: uh, yeah. Uh, So yeah, I mean, they—they I think if you look at like interviews with the people who made it, they really feel that they did a super accurate depiction of Egypt, um, and of end of the time, which I think is sort of absurd Mm -hmm. and silly. Most obvious, I think, because of obviously like the ethnicity of all the actors, and that they brought in all these like fucking whites to be Egyptians. Yeah, I mean, they—they can them a a little bit. Somehow, I mean, a
5: lot, some people, sort of a lot of people. A lot of people work on a movie and then are like, "I did a great job," which not to say <laughs> that this movie wasn't great because yeah, but... it was. It was epic in the most literal it sense. It kind of rules. The word. It's
0: kind of good.
3: Yeah. yeah, I didn't expect it to. I thought it would be kind of like, "Oh, this is curious." Like, I'm glad I saw this, but I actually found myself enjoying it quite a bit. Because it's really, it's pretty grand. Like, it's a very grand movie. The costumes are fabulous. From
4: the limited Mm. time I've spent on sets, too, like, I was able to kind of appreciate it from that angle of just, like, holy shit, there's, like, 300 fucking dudes in this shot. Like...
3: no, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the scope is outrageous.
2: I just, I kind of want to just, like, shout out Cecil B. DeMille. Frank mentioned that, like, he began in silent films, and you can totally see how that bleeds into this movie. Because I think he he is such a visual storyteller and he like packs the frame with like so many people moving and so like if you turn the dialogue track off like in many scenes you can totally tell what's going on um in, in like a very real way um like I'm just thinking like uh when uh when um Moses what's who's Moses stepfather um
4: uh they call him
3: with jethro
2: jethro when when yeah. Jethro is Daughters are, like, dancing for Moses. Like, if you mute that, you can tell exactly what's going on. There's, like, so <laughs> many...
4: <laughs> you can... There's,
2: like, half of this movie, if you mute it, you can tell absolutely, like, just through visuals what's going on. I fucking love that. That's so cool, and it's, like, s- such a lost art. Totally. Or maybe it's not lost. It's just people don't need to make movies like that anymore. But Yeah, right. Rocks. There's,
3: like, you don't need, I don't know, visual effects can be a total crutch as just, like, other i don't know just like more modern movie wizardry but this is like very like a great like fundamentals
4: yeah and then i think it's also cool that despite not well not despite but also in addition to all that i actually found the like the the script and the the dialogue to be like pretty compelling there's some fucking great lines in there that are like they're better than the lines in the bible yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a, a really <laughs>
1: important
3: thing. This movie is better than the Bible. Hands
1: down. Well,
5: also, a funny a difference that I wanted to note is that in the Bible, Moses can't really talk very well. In this, he fucking talks like oh, Zach yeah. Brannigan from Futurama. Yeah,
1: yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Terrell Heston is kind of a, like, he's perfect for the movie, but yeah, in the Bible, Moses, like, God's like, all right, like, you're gonna be the guy now. And Moses is like, oh, like, I have a stutter. Like, can my brother do it? And this yeah. is like, and this, his brother just kind of inexplicably comes along. Yeah, they're like, and Aaron. No, it's come out come behind that pillar.
1: We do everything together.
4: It's also great too because you honestly you can't tell the story. I mean, maybe someone could, but like it doesn't seem like it would be a fun movie to tell the story as it happens in the Bible because also Moses is like 88 years old in the Bible when this is all happening. Yeah. So so it's it's like they kind of get they they did what you kind of imagine Moses to be in this movie where he gets grayer as the movie goes on, but you hundred percent believe it's from stress.
5: Like, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stress it's not like Obama grayness. Yeah.
3: But, <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, oh, so like, to prepare for this episode, I like went back and reread the most relevant parts about like, you know, him in the reeds, him growing up in Egypt, him fleeing and that sort of thing. And the thing that is kind of amazing, like given how Epic, these stories are maybe in our imagination is like in the text itself it's just like nothing it's like three paragraphs it's like there's this guy his name was moses he was there he left then he came back yeah and like that's just like the story oh, they had to style. Fill it all in yeah and i actually think they they were pretty faithful and they made they made some interesting choices where they had some room to do it and they did it in a an interesting way like the dynamic between Ramses, uh the pharaoh's son you know
5: yeah, that's a that's like a constant thing. Not it's not in that's not really in the book, but like it's in this movie, it's in the other movie we watched, it's in Prince of Egypt. Like every anyone every, anyone who's told this story has kind of run with that sibling rivalry angle, just because there's just yeah, it's juicy. There's totally, stuff and but
3: there's like literally no mention of it in the Bible. It's just kind of like there was this other guy around, and like you know, his he was meaner than his dad.
4: <laughs> yeah, and then I think also it's interesting in the book that Moses in the Bible doesn't really have a, like, as a character. It's implied, I guess, depending on how you want to read the Bible, but he doesn't have any really relationship. You don't hear anything about his relations with any Egyptians. Really, the only one he has is he gets raised by them, and he kills a slave driver, and then he has to jump town.
0: I I think it's cool how, and it's with all these these three adaptations that you mentioned, John, that Exodus works very well as a coming-of-age story in a certain way, of, like, Mm -hmm. growing up and becoming, like, alienated or, like, disillusioned with how you grew up and finding like a new community and like a purpose that's kind of bigger than what you come from. And it's sort of, I think that's maybe in the source text but it feels also more a very like modern and like American feeling about what getting older is like and just kind of grafting that onto the biblical story.
5: Well, it's like, Moses is, he's like Eminem, you know? He's like, he's too Egyptian for the Hebrews, but he's too Hebrew for the Egyptians.
3: Wow. <laughs> oh, shit. Wait, what's the Eminem line? For? I don't know. <laughs> uh,
5: forget about Eminem, but... <laughs>
4: <laughs> the joke still stands.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh,
4: so, I guess there's there's a couple things that are really, that I found fun in the movie, too, which is there is this uh, angle that, is made like a really big deal that's also not clear in the text of people and it's in both movies actually, but Egyptian royalty figuring out that Moses is a Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Um because in the Bible also they it doesn't really specify whether people know or not. Um
5: it kinda seems like they figure it out because he killed the slave driver. Like him killing the slave driver is the same used as the same catalyst as them finding out that he's Hebrew, and it kind of, it's like not the same thing, but it's similar.
4: Yeah, which I think is interesting, too, because both movies use it as a, as a storytelling point. Um And this one in particular, I don't know if Cecil B. DeMille meant to do this, but the scene where the Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses in the reeds, and it's not really presented like this in the other ones, it seems like everyone's aware that they're like, all right, we're going to steal a baby real quick. <laughs> Because They're like immediately, they're like, All right, so you can't tell anyone about this. Uh, clearly, this is someone else's. These kind of meant to be, uh, you know, left for dead or whatever, but you know what? We're just gonna take it. But then also, we should really not tell anyone that we just found them. Yeah, I, and I don't know, it was kind of funny. There was like this very happy lighting, and I was like, Oh, everyone knows sort of what's happening here. We're doing a little <laughs> it bit, was, of a baby it was like heist.
5: sitcom lighting. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, um, what are some of your guys' favorite moments in the
5: movie? Oh well, actually, I just wanted to. It kind of relates to this. Uh, a fun, a funny thing to me was that this movie passes the world famous Bechdel test, um, but only because of a scene where a woman threatens to uh, murder her servant. So and it does right? Yeah, yeah, she's like, "I will tear you to pieces and feed you to the crows." But like, that no mention of a man, you know. <laughs> you gotta hand it to him.
3: That's true, Cecile
4: um also other great lines are definitely chains have been forged into swords before this is a very good line um this is like a nice pharaoh being uh, a slave owning piece of shit but then also understanding that there are like dynamics within populations that's nice
3: it is a little funny to think that someone would see this story and think it was like an anti-communist story if that makes sense like man you know what really (laughs) freaks us out worker revolutions like you know, I know it's a great story about America and how we're gonna not need those. Probably the slaves rising.
5: Up. Well, yeah. that's, that's the whole narrative with anti communist shit. It's just like you're a slave to the state, like
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, you know. No, I mean they they have their they, do their they have their ways that they process it all, but it's yeah. just a little bit funny to think that like I don't know, for Americans to not think that they're pharaoh in well, this situation. Yeah. I <laughs> was also thinking
5: that like, I don't know, Caleb touched on the hist like the Middle East side of it, but also this movie about, like, kind, not necessarily about race, although there are race dynamics for sure, but about slavery and, like, I don't know, just inequality and shit is coming out in fucking 1956 in America. Yeah. Yeah. Like...
4: It's actually fun. I wrote in my notes, American Moses is way more fun than Bible Moses.
3: Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I sent a text to the fellas as you're we watching it. it was just, Moses fucks. Like, they make him very hot in <laughs> yes. this. Yeah, and also
5: he's, like... In the Bible, he's not looking for God. In this thing, he's like, I am going to go find God, and we're going to have a
4: little
1: talk. <laughs>
4: he also says this great line where he's like, uh, he's uh, talking to the Egyptians, and he says, I'll do my best 1950s being recorded voice. He's like, What the gods can digest will not go sour in the stomach of slaves. And
0: just
5: like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Imagine if your buddy said that to you. <laughs> I would I'd give him yeah. a movie deal. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, that Caleb said before he ate the plums. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wanted to ask you guys about this. So I, I think it's this and and in Exodus Gods and Kings as well, is the idea that like the old X-E- Pharaoh was
3: Jesus E
0: G C. Is that what we're
3: doing it? I feel like I like E-GAC.
0: E-GAC. 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 Um, I feel like in E G A C, one of the implications is that like, and in this too is that the. F- Previous Pharaoh is somehow, like, better with slaves or, like, somehow is, like, a likable moral dude, but, like, Ramses is somehow worse. He's George W. Bush. I guess. I mean, that's the, like, there's, like, a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of reverence about Pharaoh, sort of, unfairly, because he's also just a piece of shit. Right. uh, It's
3: like, oh, it's like he had slaves, but he just didn't work them as hard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I mean, he did. I mean, the rebellion is brewing under old Pharaoh.
4: Yeah. 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 He's a piece of shit. And that is actually in the Bible. I think they like they don't really say that anything was good under First Pharaoh, but they say that like when basically when God speaks to Moses, he's like part of the reason why I've called you here today is because it's gotten real <laughs> fucked up in Egypt under right. this new
3: uh, Pharaoh. Because to take it way back, Joseph was also in Egypt, and the Egyptians liked Joseph. And then it's like, yeah, then the Egyptians kind of like forgot and there was enough generations and then, then they started hating. Jesus. I mean, Joseph
5: makes an appearance in this movie in the form of bones being carried out of... Oh, true. Do, do they, they show that? Yeah, there's, there's... Yeah. I They think sing so. that big song. Yeah. Yeah, they sing that song, Joseph, Joseph, is he's the man, if he can't do it, no um. one
1: can. <laughs> 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 That's not it, but... <laughs> yeah. uh, yes.
2: Um, sh- speaking of, of Pharaoh... uh Played by Yul Brenner, who is yeah. one of my all-time favorite guys. Yeah, um, he's great. I kind of want to, like, just wax it. poetic. Let's
3: have some about... Brenner talk. Let's yeah, go. <laughs> right.
5: You mentioned that in the email, so I definitely want you to yeah. wax poetic about, <laughs> about this Brenner fella. So, uh,
2: I mean, w- when we talk about sort of the Soviet coding of the Egyptians, Yul Brenner is, like, public enemy number one. He is Russian-born. He does have that, like, thick Eastern European accent that's, like, also kind of touched by English and and French and he he's like he was in in the 1950s he was like this weird pop cultural fixture because he got famous for doing this one play the king of I that he kept returning to over and over and over throughout his career and he ended up doing that play like 3,000 times um and for that play he shaved his head and this was like insane for 1950 no one shaved their head they they wore hair pieces. Um, and uh, in addition to that, he would also just like make shit up about his life in interviews. <laughs> like he would just say that like he was Mongolian royalty and he was like born on this like weird semi magical <laughs> island off the coast of <laughs> off the coast of Russia. Wow. Um And uh, uh, anyway, so I, I he, he has a quote about about shaving his head that's actually sampled in a Stephen Malkmus song that I like. But he says, uh, I'm going to try to do a Yul a Brenner voice. Uh, In a funny way, the shaving of my uh, head has been a liberation from uh, stupid vanities, really. And this quote <laughs> is... That's great, Caleb. Yeah. This quote is so fucking funny to me because there are a million stories about, like, what a, dem- uh, a vain and demanding sheet heel he was. Um... <laughs> um and my favorite story is that in a 1981 production of The King and I, so again, this is like 40 years into his career, he's doing this play again, uh, he beat up his 10 year old co star. Whoa.
5: What? <laughs> Not fun anymore. Oh,
2: no.
1: <laughs>
5: oh, no. <laughs> he's like, you're being the kid too got vain. In his way. <laughs> yeah.
2: uh,
1: you know
5: what happened?
2: Apparently. Uh, the kid just like sort of got in his way and so Yul punched him and said, get out of my way. <laughs>
1: um, so, no. so wow. I just
2: want to say, uh, in short, uh, Yul Brenner was a jacked, bald, hyper-aggressive liar with an Eastern European accent, uh, which meant audiences in the 50s were like, this guy's a fucking alien. And me, now, when I watch him, I'm like, uh, this is a guy from Queens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's six of them outside the corner store, um, just, like, (laughs) down the street. But, anyway. You look
0: great in wind pants, I think.
3: Yeah, Yeah, well, he brings a real gravitas to the role that I don't think, you know, we'll get into it maybe later in uh, an EGAC talk, but he, like, that kind of just... He just has, like, a real authority that you would imagine a pharaoh would have. Like, he talks like he considers himself a god, and he's kind of strange, and that makes all of his, like brotherly rivalry and his like you know you will be mine kind of talk to uh i believe her name is like the uh, you know the potential future queen it just makes it all the more kind of convincing and sort of creepy because he really does seem like a man with like a lot of a lot of power even though he's obviously very vain and not a good guy
5: (laughs) yeah you mean he doesn't have to like get into character to pretend to not have a concept of consent (laughs) <laughs> like he can just <laughs> to go from personal <laughs> experience. To... Yes,
3: yes.
4: You know, I think it's also just speaking of sort of that that dynamic too of uh, sort of like you know, there's there's a lot of America being reflected in this movie. I think it's very interesting that because you brought her up, this uh, Nefertiri character—that's uh, Anne Baxter, right?
1: Anne Baxter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
4: Um, who is basically playing? She eventually becomes. Uh, Queen of Egypt, Pharaoh's wife, but is played as like a love interest for, um, for Moses in the beginning. And it's very interesting because she constantly like throws herself at him in the 1950s version of sexuality. Um... (laughs) and it's it's like i noticed too that just like just
5: painting
1: we're <laughs> just talking really fast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm
3: really going to you know give give it all tonight <laughs> talk at 80 words per minute but yeah.
4: like the uh they they really do kind of put a in the movie a sort of uh it's like moses versus horniness, where he like uh There's, like, a couple times where he gets kind of, like, put in the situation where it's, like, oh, is he going to get, like, fall to temptation? Uh, But he doesn't because he's the hero. And, like, you know, heroes don't have sex. Uh, Certainly not when they're being spoken to by God. Uh, And then the fucking, I know this later, that his wife, Sephora, who they call Sephora, I wonder if that's how the... The makeup company got It's a, it's got a brand deal, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really native advertising. Yeah. But they like deliberately frame her in being like uh, in white robes and stuff. Oh, so there is this chased. really like... Because one of the things we have in America here, I say that with the idea that maybe someone in one other country will be listening. Um, But it's like we do have this like, oh yeah, freedom, you get to do what you want. But we also have a very, very kind of puritanical understanding of how the world works. And it's, so it's like... Very interesting, too, when you put the sort of sexual dynamics in line with the uh, sort of political dynamics because they're kind of all there. Um, yeah. And it's kind of like in the version of religion, particularly at that time, too, like there's not really – and in now and find it forever, there's not as much room for like moral gray areas where you can't really have like a Moses character who's like – I got to free the Jews, but I also got to get rid of this boner. And like, <laughs> so I, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting the way they use that as a, as a dynamic to the kind of,
0: well, that's a very, that's a very astute thing you've, you've picked up on because keep in mind that Cecil B. DeMille's a, like a silent era director, that dynamic of it's called the virgin and the vamp where you would have like the blonde kind of noble woman uh, and the always like brunette or dark haired woman that was, like, uh, like sexually enticing and kind of sinful and dangerous. That's a very classic, like, silent movie trope mm. that he's Ooh. brought with him then and, and it's into so, the 1950s. Um, he
3: rides it so much that they actually, that's, like, one of the biggest uh, places where it splits off from the Bible story. is so sort of like, as Moses, uh, you know, goes into the wilderness, comes back, the plagues start happening to the Egyptians to get him to let, to get Pharaoh to let the Jews go, um, at a certain point Pharaoh agrees and the Jews are kind of on their way out. And in the Bible, God is actually like, Hmm, well, Pharaoh decided to let him go, but I actually think I'm gonna make him not decide that anymore. Cause like he sort of is like playing the situation to make himself look more impressive. They pretty much explicitly say that. He's like, I wanna you <laughs> well, know it do says this. he wants
5: to like humiliate Pharaoh. Yeah,
3: humiliate him and like make my miracles seem even more miraculous. But in the movie, it's like it's uh, Anne Baxter's character, who's, like, just still so scorned about being rejected by Moses that she's like, you know, go after those bastards and kill them all. Like, just, again, like, further strengthening the, like, you know, women are dangerous. Also, like, she's really horny after she kills the,
4: the servant also, character, which is, like... I mean, that's we've a- all
3: had a combination sexual bloodlust. <laughs> also, every... Yeah.
5: Not to, like be sexist and say that all women look the same as but as, as they want <laughs> to do go well, out I'm going to land. land this one yeah. no but every single Egyptian woman in this movie looked exactly the same like I definitely had a moment where I was like is Moses making out with his mom like what is happening but no sure. it's just another Egyptian woman who looks exactly the same what
0: do you I'm think just about- saying <laughs> what do you think about when Moses washes up at the fountain and all the women are flying over him immediately
3: I feel like they they repeat this kind of scene of like, you know, like a gaggle of sort of like nymph like women happening upon a hot guy, like a couple times. Wait, it's like that
5: TikTok. Or it's like, have you guys seen that TikTok? Or it's like a format where like it'll be a bunch of. So people will. The original video is like a bunch of just like cute women in bikinis and they're like listening attentively and then all together all of a sudden they they start clapping and they're like yay and then people like edit it in with their own video of them being like i drink i don't drink coca cola i drink a bunch i drink rc cola you know and then a bunch of sexy uh-huh. ladies are like yay it, it's like that um just saying. Yeah, I think my only comment on that. <laughs> just saying, corner. It's over now. I think my only comment or answer
4: your question is like it is a, just a very 1950s understanding of what sexuality
3: is. Yeah, like I which wonder is, what women talk about. Yeah, obviously, men all the time because why wouldn't they? And like, it's not just like oh, you know, there's a guy over there. It's like oh, a boy. Like I'm always searching for a cute man. Like you couldn't even handle it if they said so. Boys, <laughs> boys, boys, boys. Yeah, it's like. There's a certain almost, like, uh, like teen naivete excitement quality to it.
0: It's what they talk about in the girls' bathroom.
3: Yeah, right? it feels it, very yeah. like they're at a sleepover, like, who's going to be your boyfriend?
4: And also, it's just a reflection of the idea that, like, the writers thought that it would make more sense to establish within the movie that there are, like, no men in 150
3: miles, rather than just have them talk about something else. Yeah. <laughs> Well and also again it's sort of is like they they make Moses much hotter and cooler than he like he in the bible he's kind of like a dude with a stutter who's kind of like he, god's always a little mad at him the israelites are always a little mad at him like he's like not he's not like a superhero but like charlton heston's like a total superhero yes he's for like sure. huge handsome like has that just kind of booming voice you know has gaggles of uh you know nymphs fawning over him at all times.
5: Yeah. Actually, on that note,
3: too, of heroes. Nymphs hero... love
5: me, pharaohs fear me. <laughs>
4: <laughs> of that note of, like, kind of characters and whatever. They really... Uh, we could talk about
3: Josh's namesake, Joshua. <laughs> oh, yeah. I want to uh, talk yeah.
5: about the Joshua v. Dathan... Uh
3: joshua joshua the only character with a 1950s hairdo for some reason he like fully has like almost a ducktail happening he's he's just like the cool guy who and he's also i counted he swings down from like four different ropes (laughs) (laughs) he's just like he's like in a different movie than the other ones
1: (laughs) (laughs) truly
5: he shows up that's another departure from the book is when Moses is away with his, like, new wife and family. Joshua just shows up in this movie yeah. and it's like, you got to come back to Egypt, man. Shit's getting real yeah. crazy. <laughs> that never happens in the book. Yeah.
4: Well, it's also interesting, too, because Joshua is mentioned as a character after they leave Egypt because um, he's kind of, like, basically what happens in the the Bible. Ugh, hate to talk about it, but. Um. <laughs> you
3: really hate to
4: see it. <laughs> But basically, in the in the Bible, they leave, and Moses is like uh, the Pope, basically. I know a lot of Jews are going to be upset with that comparison, but he's the guy who talks to God. There's another word for other people who believe that, um, and he's kind of in his own little world and whatever. So his brother Aaron kind of handles religious matters, and Joshua kind of handles like the military and sort of logistics. He's he's in a way in a way he's kind of like Otto von Bismarck. In the, you know, where he's kind of like actually taking care of the stuff. Everyone is like listening to the Kaiser and he's got his whole big deal or whatever, but the nuts and bolts leader is this other guy. So it's interesting that they like pull him into this narrative and give him a really large role to play in both movies. Yeah. And they make
3: him like a swashbuckler. That's how he earns
4: it. He's a swart boy.
5: (laughs) Yeah. But then there's like the weird love triangle romance thing where him and, and that dude, Dathan, are both going after the same girl.
3: What a name, Davis. Dathan's. What Dathan's like the Jewish overseer. D- yeah,
5: Dathan's the yeah. one who who takes all the who <gasps> like gets all the lines we like or not all the, like the line when when he's like, "What did you have to take us out of Egypt because there weren't enough graves." Like he's <laughs> <laughs> yes,
3: yeah, he's like yeah. the treacherous. You know, I one more thing on Joshua. He was in one of the scenes. I actually th- was the mo- one of the most memorable ones where the setup is. It's like they're at the kind of site where all the slaves are working and they're pushing some sort of like huge really heavy statue um and an old woman falls down in front of it well, and like it
5: turns like, out to be Moses's mother right
3: yeah oh yeah. yeah yes yes um and so she's like about to get crushed to death and then you know they're like stop stop and the egyptians are like you know keep it going like it's not worth saving one life and then you know Joshua swoops down on a rope and and saves her and stuff but i just thought it was a good testament to like Showing the brutality and the kind of sweaty, messy, kind of violent day-to-day of slavery without having to do some sort of really epic, like, CGI, like, you know, crane shot over a whole pyramid where it's like, ah,
1: like, storm clouds, (laughs) like
3: Pirates of the Caribbean shit. Like, it's just, like, Mm -hmm. one really tense scene where there's this kind of explosive potential. I don't know. I thought there were a couple moments like that where it's just, like, really deft, Direction, people acting,
0: uh, the movie is like a hell of a spectacle. I think. I mean,
3: I I think the parting of the Red Sea totally
0: holds up. I think it looks incredible. I think it's convincing and dope. It doesn't look like CGI or whatever, but uh, like it's very palpable. You know. Yeah. I think I think that's kind of the mark better of special effects is not. Does it look like how this is going to look like in the real world? Because none of this looks like how it will look... It'll right. all look bad in, like, five years or whatever. But it's more like, does it just, like, affect you as a viewer?
4: Yeah. Yeah, and then you get that great shot of him kind of with his one leg up, with his staff out, kind of being, like, Jews, freedom! And, like, <laughs> um... And, but then, and like, the waves are going off in the background, and, like, yeah, it doesn't look as good, good quote-unquote, as, like, you know, the, the, the other movie that we covered. But at the same time, it's, like, that shot, like... I'm not even particularly moved by the story, but the shot fucking sticks in my mind.
3: That, Speaking... And the, the golden calf scene, I thought, was another great example of just, like, kind of amazing... Or Sorry, I'm going to jump in ahead. I don't want
2: to... No, 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 you could... Go ahead, yeah.
3: Yeah, oh, just, like, um, you know, for the, the... The setup is that, you know, Moses up on the mountain talking to God, getting the Ten Commandments, the Jews kind of get bored and are like, we'll, we'll just have a different God, and, like, then they just kind of have a, a party and an orgy and, like, make a golden calf and worship around it and i thought again just like it's just this kind of crazy scene and they're just like so many bodies on the screen at one time and they're like throwing flowers onto it and it's kind of like if you just paused it you could make like a painting out of it or something i thought For it was sure. really
5: one of my favorite moments of the movie is when during that scene when the golden calf stuff is happening and they're just trying to like represent like look how crazy and lawless these people are. And to do that, there's just a moment where like one guy has a stick that's on fire and he's chasing another guy around with it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's such a, like, of yeah.
5: what, what they think lawlessness is, is like the ladies are dancing all sexy and then the boys are just like chasing each other around <laughs> with fire sticks.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> That's all you know, it's a thin blue line between us and that. That's you know? yeah. <laughs> all. And the line is gone.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, or one f- other thing or I loved
2: to to jump back and then I don't know if, if, if we want to move on or, or keep going, but I love how uh, Cecil B. Demille kind of just yada yada yadas the plagues, um, with the exceptions of with the exception of the cool ones. So he does I, yeah, he does I love the, that. He does the blood water, but, like, skips the flies and the boils and the frogs and goes straight to uh, the death of the firstborn. Which, if we're talking about, like, spare visuals, no special effects, but just, like, spooky as all fuck. Like, I think this is incredible. Just to have the black smoke, like, creeping under the door and then have the seder going on, and just the screams of people in the background. This is yeah. an incredible fucking sequence. I totally. love it. Yeah.
3: Very unsettling. I think also as it should be. Like, yeah, because it's like I don't know, and especially growing up Jewish, like Passover is such an important holiday, such a great time. But it's like what your the underlying story is chilling. I mean, you're talking about mass mm-hmm. death of mostly people who are not involved in the crime they're being punished for. Like it's spooky as hell.
4: Yeah, and I think also what it does is it's, um, this is actually less the fault of the Bible and more the fault of sort of how we're uh, kind of like just taught it and whatever, because that is an incredibly dark fucking moment, which is in the Bible, this is kind of the point, while all of the Egyptian firstborns are dying, is when God is telling the Israelite people like, this is how you celebrate this holiday. (laughs) It's like, Um, let me give
3: you some instructions.
4: Well, no, but it's really interesting because in this movie, you actually kind of get that. That I think it's basically Moses who's laying down the law, basically. But of, like, all of these people are just kind of, like, these Israelite people are like, uh, yeah, dude, whatever you say, as long as we don't end up on the fucking wrong side of this smoke, like, yeah. we're fucking down. And, like, they, uh, in, the, in the Bible, it's less clear just because of the language, but, like, it's very clear that they're, like look, like, this is the end of it. Like, tomorrow we're going to wake up and we have to fucking run like hell because, honestly, there's probably going to be some desire for, like, retribution or something. Well, no,
3: and then the thing, well, the creepy thing that happens is then God, like, does the Men in Black, like, mind eraser wand on all the Egyptians and then they are throwing, like, gold and silver at the at the Hebrews as they leave. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to make them like Wait, them. in the book that happens? Yeah. Yeah, does that, that doesn't
5: happen in the movie, though, right? No,
3: I mean, that would okay. be, like, too weird. I mean, because I think, honestly, like, God's, like, a narrative problem, if you're really... God's yeah. a total <laughs> <man>. <laughs> yeah. just, like God's, like, a fucking just freight train that just, like, cruises through a story and, like... Yeah, you kind of, like, can't even really go there, and I think, honestly, that's neither of these movies really do, because, like, how could how could you?
4: It's really funny, too, because at, when I watched this movie, I suddenly realized that, like, because of the way they positioned Moses in the beginning as being, like, not necessarily against slavery, but ultimately uh, sympathetic to the plight of slaves, Um, it's funny that, like, God's big plan is to take someone who could potentially be Pharaoh in a couple years, and then just say, no more slavery. And he's like no, I'm going to take you out into the desert. I'm going to do all this, like, real fucking finicky whatever-the-fuck stuff, and then we're going to come back. We're basically going to wage, like, a a holy war, and then we're going to get out of here. When the guy is kind of already in position for God to snap his fingers and just be like, say all the slaves are free. I'll explain it later. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
3: (laughs) All could have been avoided.
4: All of that is a long-winded way of saying, yes, Josh, God is very often a narrative fucking problem. (laughs) Yeah,
3: and, uh, you know... Exodus: Gods and Kings tries to wrestle with it a little bit more, but yeah. Still. Shall we get
5: into Exodus: we, Gods yeah. and Kings? Does anyone have any yeah, final it's... thoughts on on Ten Commandments?
0: If you have time to watch the Snyder Cut, you have time to watch the Ten Commandments, and uh-huh. it's a better movie. Yeah.
3: yeah, and it's just yeah, it, it's it's transporting. Like it, you should watch it. It's tight. Yeah. Oh, and I have to Take just...
5: the intermission. They give they give you an intermission. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <for laughs> you yeah, take that baby. Yes. Yeah. you go, you know, get. Smoke weed again. Get a snack. Don't just power through the intermission. That's all I'll say.
4: I did. I regretted it. I I was losing. I was losing. I was getting lost a little bit at the end. Okay, shall we get
2: into some uh, Exodus Gods and Kings? EGECK.
3: EGECK.
2: Let's do it. So I think uh, before we, we, we talk about this movie, I think we should kind of talk about the broader career of Ridley Scott, who Ayani called the greatest coward in, in, in modern cinema. <laughs> and I'm and about am... to fucking tell you why. <laughs> okay. First, I, I, I think that, that his career has, like, a real turning point, and that is in 1986. Um, uh, so uh, he his his, four, his first four films, I think, are all... Pretty stately and pretty slow and pretty well respected. Um, he, he makes a, a a movie about some guys who like to fight with swords called The Duelists. Uh, that's his first movie. And then he makes Alien, which is a super mega smash hit. Um, that was his second movie? That was mm-hmm. his second movie. And he was never Damn. really, or at least in the years after, he was not really able to live up to that. Because the next movie he made was Blade Runner, which is I think now considered a masterpiece, but at the time was a notorious flop. Yeah. Um, and then in 1986, he made a movie with Tom Cruise called uh, Legend. And this movie is uh, crazy. It's uh, uh, Tom Cruise has to tame a unicorn in order to save his girlfriend Jennifer Connelly from the devil. Yes. Played by Tim uh, yes. Curry. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, Whoa. Uh, so predictably, this movie is, uh, is not a success. But the same year, Ridley Scott's little brother, Tony, also makes a movie. And this is his breakout movie. And it also stars Tom Cruise. And you might have heard of it. It's this little indie flick called Top Gun. Woo! What the fuck? <laughs> wow.
3: Pharaohs. And, uh, Do Pharaohs as dueling? As
2: far as sibling rivalries go, this isn't like quite like Cain, Murking, Abel, but like I feel like this is Kane tying Abel up, putting a cigarette out on his forehead, and then, like, eating the takeout that he was saving in the fridge. Um,
1: <laughs>
2: so for the next 25 years, Ridley Scott, like, completely abandons this, like, sort of uh, s- slow and stately approach to filmmaking. And he and Tony just, like, trade bigger and bigger and bigger blockbusters and in, in i mean in the 2000s uh Ridley kind of hits on a formula that works for him which is uh 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 sword movies about gruff sword guys uh who set a bunch of people on fire and like the soundscape is like really big and cacophonous and there's lots of like uh like uh twanging middle eastern instrumentation and like this kind of sing wailing thing that I I don't want to imitate cuz it would be yeah you know, Culturally ah! unacceptable, but also I'm pretty sure when Ridley. What it's like the
3: closed is, caption is just like wailing in native language?
2: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You're
3: like, yeah. Huh, okay. An incredible staple. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like what language? Native. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they know. It, um, so.
2: And and to be fair, like I don't I don't think Ridley has a lot of respect for these cultures either. In in, in the lead up to this movie, uh, oh, no. he got a lot of credit. He got a lot of criticism for the whitewashing of. Uh, of these Middle Eastern Did you characters. see what he said
3: in response? Yes, he Where he's he said, like, hey, I he could put a Muhammad so-and-so in it, but it wouldn't get any money. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's
3: like, Did wow. he say Muhammad so-and-so? He literally yes. said Muhammad so-and-so. Oh, oh quote, no. buddy!
2: quote, Muhammad so-and-so from such and such. <laughs> <laughs> um, not oh, a great man. look. man. English um, people. <laughs> but uh, Ridley oh, Scott... very British. Uh, he is uh, an avowed atheist um, he's, he's said multiple times he does not believe in God, he like will never believe in God etc 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 and uh, I think the, the movie of his that I think is most about sort of capital F faith is Prometheus, his prequel to Alien um, and that movie is mostly about how if you really think about it God is fucking terrifying uh, and is a psychopath who likes to play with bugs um uh, I think the plan for this movie, then, Exodus, Gods and Kings, um, is is to, uh, uh, is to keep, to, to ground the sort of biblical story in reality, to imply that all of the plagues and miracles that happened in the Bible were actually um, freaks of nature or, or, or natural occurrences, um, and that the dreams of God that Moses has were actually symptoms of mental illness. Um And it's not uh, the literal will of God, but individual people's unwavering belief in that will um, that causes people to do great and or terrible things. Um, And I think in that way, it's very much a sequel to his 2005 movie, Kingdom of Heaven, um, uh, which is about the Crusades. And it's very much about the the terrible things that people do in the name of faith.
3: Mm -hmm. Um, Can I ask you guys something? What yeah. was like going on in big blockbuster movies in like the early twenty tens that this movie and Darren Aronofsky's uh Noah movie, which was kind of a similar, How dare you like, say his name? Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like they both came out the same year. They're both, you know, the kind of modern spin on the biblical tale. His is a lot weirder than this. Um, but was it was there some sort of trend there or I mean, to me it seems like Great directors believing that they're great and trying to take on the most, the biggest story there is possible.
1: God's not a
5: trend. God's forever. And it <laughs> 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 you know, uh,
2: I think around the same time you have like the the Clash of the Titans remakes that are going on, and there were a couple other other like failed projects about. Like uh-huh. mythology and gods. God of the War, vision. the video
3: game, was pretty hot, I feel like. Yeah, it's
2: kind of Game yeah. of Thrones fever,
4: too, I think
3: is yeah. in the
0: air, as a part of, like, people realize that swords are a little more desirable in movies, you know? Uh-huh. Is um, it like a
4: void, maybe, after the, like, Peter Jackson, like, kind of, like, dropped the ball with, not dropped the ball in the bad way, I mean, more like dropped his dick <laughs> on the table with uh Dropped the mic. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> 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 I went from ball to dick to mic, there we go. Uh-huh. Um, is yeah, Do you I, think I, it's I, part of that?
2: I think I I mean I, I think cuz like the Marvel machine quite hasn't quite fully started up yet. I think the studios are very much in between they're still searching for what a blockbuster is and which which is why they're sort of giving Ridley Scott unlimited money to like make these huge historical epics. Um mm-hmm. but I I don't know if there is a trend in, in if if it's I think it's more just like A bunch of people, a bunch of studios are just throwing spaghetti at the wall and and looking for something that sticks. And it turns out that the guys that they're giving the spaghetti to are kind of uh,
3: hacks.
5: (laughs) So God is just spaghetti to you.
3: (laughs) Honestly, spaghetti is pretty beloved to a lot of people. (laughs) That's true. So,
4: So straight up, this all makes me double down on my opinion even further. Ridley Scott is a coward. Would you like to know why I'm about to tell you? Yeah, Yeah, please. Okay, so. You mentioned the rest of his career before, and the, re- the main reason that I think he's a coward is because he had this really unique opportunity to, with even just a small visual little Easter egg or whatever, basically put the Bible into the same universe as Alien, <laughs> which means it's in the same universe as Blade <laughs> oh, <Runner>. okay <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> which also means that, therefore... Fucking predator would be biblical canon. And by <laughs> merging all of those two uh, things together, Christ. he could basically take ownership of the entire Bible and assume the mantle of the Godhead himself. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. And he's given this unique opportunity to do this, and he goes, God's a little boy. Yeah, wow, well, he cuts himself. Yeah, who are you hell?
5: saying should have been God? The Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott himself? <laughs> no, Ridley Scott
4: doesn't need to make Ridley I Scott mean, honestly, the god in the movie, but he can, by it? making the Bible part of the alien cinematic universe, he will then become essentially I the writer that. of the Bible. I get
5: that, but who should have played God in this movie? Because for the listener, God is played by an a insolent young little boy <laughs> who is very disrespectful. Um, and also maybe is Moses' son, because they build the same little block structure. It's fucking stupid. You know what I mean? Because he sees God building that little thing with blocks, and then he sees his son building those little blocks. And it's like a dumb inception moment like, oh, is his son God? Is he tripping balls? What's happening?
0: I, I think yeah. actually maybe Ridley Scott did do what you accuse him not of doing. I think perhaps everyone in this movie is a replicant, which is why all the performances are so wooden and inhuman. <laughs> yes.
3: Uh, yes, Galaxy brain. True. Also, like you don't make a fucking movie about the story of Exodus if you don't have a god complex. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's Especially very now. True. Especially now. Yeah.
4: So maybe. Okay. So you think maybe that he attempted to co-opt. The the God King.
3: I don't think anything he did was self aware. I think if you watch this movie, you'll see that uh, he doesn't. He kind of lacks that facility. But that's ultimately what my lead in with that was going to be. Yeah. uh,
4: I think uh, Ridley Scott tries to make a lot of points um, that he imagines are probably interesting, but I think he just falls flat on almost every single one.
5: I never got an answer. What could he? How could he have portrayed God in this specific movie that would have tied it into the Alien universe?
4: Rutger Hauer.
5: All right, I accept. I've never seen Alien, <laughs> yeah. so
4: well, he's actually in Blade Runner, but it doesn't matter. They're all the same. Wait, or- so
5: does is that a thing he does where he like ties his movies into the same universe? I
0: think he did it with Covenant. It, Covenant, the spaceship is sponsored by Wayland Utiny or whatever, like which or the by the by the replicant company.
4: Yeah, which by the way, uh, Bible, Exodus, Alien, Covenant. You kind of see the fucking lines <laughs> that are getting drawn. All right, no, that's, that's nice. it. But-
2: I th- I think he uh, Ridley Scott I think ironic or er, unironically is extremely interested in faith and that is something that carries and and his like not understanding it um, mm-hmm. uh, and that actually does kind of carry through all or at least many of his many of his movies. So I think it's we...
3: safe to say, oh, sorry, No, go, go for ahead. it. Go, 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 go. I was going to say I think it's safe to say none of us liked this movie probably at all, but <laughs> no. um I was going to say is there anything that you guys did like about it before we get into all the ways it uh, was not so Yeah, great?
5: I liked that God was Bart Simpson.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
5: No, I know I, I did. I when 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 the scene where he like goes to the the burning bush scene, he like kind of walks starts walking up the mountain and then all of a sudden he's like buried in in mud like only his face is showing and he's talking to this little boy who's like you know what you need to do i'm not you you, you know it i like i enjoyed that i was like okay this yeah. is
3: cool and interesting that was a, it was a bolder choice than because you could really just go for a booming ultra bass voice disembodied like and no one would be that mad at you for it
2: i was i was texting frank about this and i didn't I actually think this is a pretty bad performance, but I really respect the effort. But I think Joel Edgerton as Ramses is like very much trying to differentiate himself from Yul Brenner in the Ten Commandments. I mean, mm-hmm. he's trying to talk. be really bad, sort <laughs> of his, like take on the character. Yeah. <laughs> what if I yeah, sucked if I in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: but
2: you, you talk about how like Yul had like he had gravitas, and he also he, like much like Charleston Heston, he has that sort of booming voice. And Edgerton in this one is like trying to play very like twitchy and insecure and like not at all comfortable in his own skin. I mean, I don't think it works at all. I think this is just an abysmal performance, but like he's trying something. Um, yeah, which is more than I can say about like Christian Bale.
3: Christian Bale's is yeah. just yelling. Yeah, this is a movie like uh, you know, best adapted. Listeners will know Lana Richards, uh, film director slash my girlfriend. Um, she sometimes when we're watching a movie and there are just men yelling, she'll just start saying yelling, yelling, yelling is acting because like yeah, it's just like at a certain point if you don't want to do a good <laughs> I like, job at acting, I like that you she just sings it. like yeah, you just yell. Um, it's like a total like. People think it's like really deep, but it's like you're just you're just yelling.
4: Oh yeah, Christian Bale plays a troubled hero character. Like, Christian
3: Bale plays a U.S. Special Forces yeah. operator who's yeah. <laughs> cut loose by his unit. He still has a beard. Wait, you're saying that's what he's playing in this movie? Yeah. Kind of. I mean, honestly, he looks he looks like when they show when like every four years of the New York Times like does some investigative journalism and is like you know, this crazy unit of the CIA was running amok in Afghanistan and it, like, shows a, a picture of these, like, U.S. Special Forces mm. guys who, like, went off the rails and they have, like, a big bushy beard and kind of don't look like military guys. That's sort of what Christian Bale looks like.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah.
3: And he then yeah. kind of talks about leading a guerrilla war. kind of
5: looks like Jack Dorsey from Twitter. Uh,
3: yes,
1: yeah. He does. <laughs> he does. I think I enjoy
3: the only thing I really enjoyed about
4: this movie was the darkness plague. Which, in this movie, the way it occurs is just there's a bunch of people fighting, and then all of a sudden, there's, like, a lightning bolt strike, and then it just goes, boom, and it's black. And I was like, oh, I hadn't really thought about that plague like that before. That is actually terrifying. It's not just, like, nighttime, but, like, even if you weren't in the middle of a fight, but you're just going about your business, and then all of a sudden, the entire world just becomes nothing but then you bump into stuff on your way home still. Maybe it's not that scary.
5: Well, I think another reason we all kind of didn't like it is because we had all just watched The Ten Commandments, which is three hours and 40 minutes, and good, but still three hours and 40 minutes. So then it's just another two and a half hours of the same story that we just watched a long-ass movie of, and for... For the the Smitey Boys had just read this long ass book, <laughs> yeah, so it's like, like we five. get it. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: In yeah. the
5: wise words of Josh, we get it.
0: <laughs> yeah. The way that that it starts kind of pretty deep into Exodus, uh, this movie that there is no like baby in the raft like through the reeds or anything. They're like I all think, of, that you just you just cold open on Moses as a thirty year old man. Thumbs up.
5: I think it kind of works because then they do the little flashback to his little, him and the little baby, the little boat, the little floaty thing, little basket, basket, that's the word. And they do the little flashback and it, it explains it and it's, it cuts out a lot of unnecessary shit, I think, maybe.
3: Yeah, and the audience kind of finds out or starts to discover about him at the same time as he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't mind that so bad, but or, or I thought that was a decent enough choice, but what I did think was strange is like, and kind of throughout the movie, there's kind of this just like lack of, even though it's like a really spectacular story to be working with, there's almost like this no like driving energy to it. Like, I'm just like, why they are just like people sitting in rooms talking? It spends like the first half hour on like Moses going to like check up on the accounting of some city that they're building. Yeah. And they like really invest in this kind of character, this Viceroy guy who's like kind of corrupt and, we get the drama of, of the him. first
0: act is a tax audit
5: basically yeah <laughs> yeah and
3: it's like it's like you're you're dealing with a story about like people in bondage power struggles
5: just shows you what ridley scott thinks of thinks of us you know <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say
3: <laughs> yeah i just thought it was very strange and like they somehow never find he never seems to find like the essence of like what is driving the story along so it's just like a bunch of stuff happening
0: well awesome. there is supposedly a four hour cut of this movie. Oh, God. oh fucking no. leave it leave it up your asshole, Ridley. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think it I don't think it would improve it or anything, but it does I think patch up. I don't like I like it clearly the, the problem is not that this movie is uh like too fast or anything. You
3: know? Um yeah.
4: Um, I do think it's also interesting, just on a slight, like, there the, we've already sort of touched on, like, the racial dynamics within this movie, i.e.
3: that it's all white people. And British white people, which is, like, a double fuck you to Egypt. But, yeah, well, like, mm-hmm. you
5: know. British white people in the way that, like, just the kind of, like, subtle, like, nothing accent. It's like, it's the historical accent. Times
3: accent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's the two accent. things.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then also John Turturro.
5: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. R- kind
0: of he might be the only good one in the movie.: Yeah, he yeah, actually yeah. does
4: a great job, but he can't I was telling John and Josh this, like you can't really remove the New York City from his face, um, in, the, in the sense that like he's playing this character, Pharaoh, in like a time where the idea of what New York City is is just not even like a twinkle in someone's eye, and it like it shines through his yeah, performance not that he's doing baby. a bad performance yeah. but you're just like oh this is a person who is uh, born and a product of a time of which that has almost no relation to the story that they're trying to tell Yeah, it's almost like if you were to like pull an alien and put him in like you're gonna play George Washington mm. and he's like I'll do my best yeah. I don't really know what the president <laughs> is
5: but I wanna watch a movie with alien George Washington he's just like a I wanna watch a movie with guy, Turturro George wig.
0: Washington Yeah,
5: to Washington Sounds great. I still want him to be a slimy green guy.
4: Um, (laughs) But racial dynamics, number one. uh, This movie has uh, black people in it, but they are always playing a serving role, um, which is like, yeah, that's really not. There are a couple of swarthy wives who also don't really
3: say anything. Yeah,
4: Um, and then I also thought it was very. This is just a not really like a a a criticism or, or it is a criticism, but. Also, in the very beginning, they're fighting, they have this fight scene that's completely unnecessary and adds nothing to the story. Well, Ridley's just got to, um, I mean, there's got to yeah, be he's some, some people do flying again. off a of chariots, yeah. some javelins um, flying
3: through people's chests.
4: Which, uh, they, they're fighting the Hittites, which from a historical lens seems a little odd. That's a long way from where the Hittites lived. But the Hittite population is vaguely coded as, like, Central Asian um the kind of shots that they have are of like central asian looking people with beards they're kind of living in like yurt-like structures and then they also have a bunch of other people of color just to sort of be like they're different from the egyptians and whatever and i thought that was kind of an interesting thing because you don't see it as much in like western media but like using uh using kind of Central Asian people as stand-in for Barbarian is, like, a pretty uh, easy, lazy uh,
3: yeah. thing that's been done in a lot of other cinema, too. Um, right, like, this movie has an awareness that it's literally, like, the entire universe is not just, like, white people speaking in kind of grand theatrical yeah. accents in the way that, like, Ten Commandments is kind of, like, everyone is like that, but this is instead it's just sort of, like... What if there were black people, but they didn't talk? Yeah. (laughs) And they were barbarians? Well, it's like, it's interesting to me, too,
4: because they're like, they're constantly touting kind of about how, like, they wanted to go historical with both of these movies. And it's like, it's possible that there were probably, like, people who might have more Asian features in the Hittite population, maybe, because they're kind of where some of those people live. But it is kind of, they do kind of airdrop them in as, like, uh, as kind of caricatures of, like, an invading force. Yeah, it's sort of, it's like fake
3: context. Yeah.
4: Because it, like, doesn't... It doesn't mean anything. And then I also think it's funny that, like, they always tout the historical thing, and then in this movie there's people fighting from horseback, which, just as a fun side note, hadn't really been developed yet.
3: Oh, you know, I was wondering about that.
4: Yeah, that's why there are chariots. You fight from a chariot because you don't know how to fight from a horse yet.
5: Speaking of horses, <laughs> well, this I have to say... Oh, no, no, no,
4: Go. I'll say my horse
5: thing later. No, no,
0: no. I want to hear what you have to say. Oh, all my, I was going to say is, is that
5: maybe my point's stupid too, believe me. Maybe <laughs> maybe this is, is is crass and cruel, but when they showed a horse that's going through the water and then all of a sudden the horse is engulfed in water and it has to swim, I laughed so fucking hard. And I know that's not nice because horses can't swim, but it just... Yeah, they can. Well, not very well according to this movie. I don't know. Come on. Did you guys not all see the shot of the yeah. horse getting fully engulfed in a wave? It's like when and they're splitting the
3: red sea
5: it, it, like it it it's, it's like a, cl- like a close-up on the whole horse's face and like the whole horse's body. And he's just like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Oh shit, oh shit.
3: <laughs> um, yeah. That was like the mo- the horse got more emotional range than uh, Ramses did, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I felt I, the horse, I was, I was gripped more by the horse. Um, okay. So now that we've gotten through the positives... <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I kind of let's. Can we talk about like the way that it like completely abandons like any pretense of realism about an hour and forty minutes in? Because I I I was listening to to your pod and you were talking about how the plagues are kind of like code maybe for like an actual war, and it seems like that for the bulk of the movie is 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 what this is going to be and it's going to be Moses like sparking the plagues in that just like he's going to like kill a bunch of people in the river which turns it red and yada 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 and then like halfway through God's like actually this is bullshit let me do a bunch of God stuff and all of the plagues are real and then the Red Sea is like actually parted and there's a lot of uh, in in like the pre-production of this movie about there's a lot of hype about like actually was an earthquake and that is what causes the Red Sea to part, and they just cut it from the movie, so it's just like the sea parts for no reason.
3: Yeah, it just goes away. Yeah, I think they think they're being ambiguous, but it just sort of more feels like they didn't make a decision at all, rather than them making like a a, a sly choice, like they just didn't really make a choice. It was like, maybe it's all in his head, but yeah. I
4: mean, they do, they really, because they set it up to be like, Moses comes back, and in a way that's like, I don't think it's like, Good storytelling, but it's some form of storytelling. They kind of go like, all right, Moses used to be a general, he's going to teach the Israelites how to fight. um, And that's sort of going to be how we're going to frame this, as sort of like he's going to start an insurgent war. and that's kind of what the plagues are going to be. That was
3: a fun uh, like 2000s geopolitical. Yeah, vibe <laughs> as well. It's like we're going to find a population of like we're going to train them. Yes. But then
4: but then yeah, as soon as the plagues come around, they're just like, well, wouldn't that have been nice?
3: Anyways, here's some plagues, and then, which and are then caused weirdly, by
4: alligators thrashing. Yeah, and then they
3: have this fucking guy who is a member again of the Egyptian court with, like, a Scottish accent. And he's like, Yeah! Well, Mr. Fadrell. You're like, a drummer. You know, yeah. yeah, like, there were crocodiles. And was just like, Okay, the movie has fucking lost the, lost the thread. <laughs> I here. will say,
5: I appreciate them not trying to tackle the golden calf. Like, they just let us... They just let us go home. <laughs> we are like, it's over now. Yeah, Goodbye. They,
3: yeah, they nod at it for, like, a second. They're like, oh, there's some drums down there. Anyway, like... Oh, do they? I didn't even realize Oh, they that. cut to it for, like, what, like... You would have to know what you're looking for.
4: Small, to care. yeah, kind of like a potential. It's like reference an Easter egg
3: for like the real Christians who caught it,
1: <laughs>
4: um, real heads thinking out. it was
3: going to be something. Different. I do
4: also think it's very funny that uh, in both of these movies, and it's for different reasons in both of them, that the pharaoh and then, or the first pharaoh and then Ramses in both stories just have different accents. <laughs>
3: yeah (laughs) Yeah, the accent situation all around in this one because like even christian bale toggles between american and british throughout this one it's just a fucking mess like i don't know it's i feel like he i actually think he's quite charming in other movies like i think oh for sure yeah like you know i mean obviously he's not like this is not exactly the point of american psycho but part of the reason it is psycho is because he does have that kind of magnetism or even like in the Batman movies, his, like, kind of, like, psycho smash with a brick energy is balanced out by him, like, being a charming billionaire, you know, ever talking to Alfred and shit. But, like, this is just, like, all... I don't know. I thought they wasted Kristen Bale a lot in this. Everyone
4: in this movie is wasted because yeah. it never should have been written.
3: It, yeah. <laughs> yeah I also...
5: Oh, I was just going to say how it's funny how both movies have a scene where Pharaoh is talking to his firstborn son, and he's like, I love you so much, my alive boy. <laughs>
4: <laughs> also, I think it's it's funny, and just so, it's, I thought this was pandering in the Ten Commandments, dude. There has to be a scene where Moses comes up, and he's like, I speak for God, and then the someone who is Egyptian goes, which God? And everyone is supposed to shit their pants, because it's like, the one true God, the bitch. The real God! <laughs>
1: <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Capital G,
5: baby. Yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah, and it's just like, number one, it doesn't happen in the Bible. Not that it needs to, but like, it doesn't happen in the Bible. And number two, it's just like, you spend all of this time establishing this fake world where, like, at least some people within the Egyptian court understand, like, the beliefs and cultures of the slaves that they run, but they've never heard of this whole one God thing. It's literally the thing that separates them from everyone else around them.
3: Yeah. And They're just kind of like, which one? They just, they just wanted that moment. But yes. It's a terrible Scott, movie about.
0: A, it's coward. a terrible movie about faith, I yes. think, and about like spirituality because Ridley Scott's whole effort to do the atheist reading of Exodus becomes. Like the gator fight or whatever is just such an unhinged scene that it is actually no less plausible than just the water <laughs> turning red from a magical event. That's so yeah,
3: true. yeah, right. Just like a gator war breaks out.
4: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is realism. Yeah. Like, also the the sound design on the fucking locusts while they're eating, I could not stop laughing because they're literally going. <laughs>
1: Mm, also, the sound is. De-
2: I'm sorry to jump back. The sound design when John Totoro is 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 lying in bed and it's just a bunch of people whispering, but they're all saying, "His heart is weak. He's gonna
1: die. <laughs> <laughs> He's, He's very sick." <laughs> they, they, they yeah. Literally, someone says that. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. It's just bizarre. It's like inartful for some. It's just like, is this your first time? Like,
4: well, I think it's one of those things. That like we kind of came across the Danofsky one where like it seems very clear that like the director is like mostly stupid people are going to watch this, or like so we have to fucking if it's not split explicitly stated, it means it never happened. Um, and like I that's part of what that like whispering is because like even Ridley Scott and other movies you would think would imagine that like guy is in bed, speaks with low voice, maybe sounds like he's having difficulty speaking, means at the very least, he's not having a good time. You can infer maybe that death might be around the corner, but no, he has to be surrounded by people who are going like, do you think this is the point
3: where the plot changes?
5: Right. Yeah. Oh, people are just a- like, he looks like shit.
3: <laughs> here's a question for you guys, because this is one thing I think one of the few moments the movies tried to do something interesting, because in, in Ten Commandments, there's like there's the whole anti-communist thing and that's kind of just American confidence and like the self-evidence of the narrative of just like freedom wins, no questions asked. Um, whereas in this one, so after they make it through the Red Sea, the Egyptian army is wiped out. They're kind of sitting on the beach, a little traumatized and Moses is kind of reflecting on it. And he goes, you know, like or starting to just come to grips with the fact that, this is not going to be a people on the run anymore and they're going to be a nation. He goes, Oh, you know, I think he's talking to Aaron. He's like, you know, what are they going to do when we get there? They're like, they're going to look at us like we're invaders. Um, And, you know, and like what happens when we're not running anymore? Like, are we going to all stick together? or Maybe we're going to start having these conflicts within us. And I thought that was at least like, it was like a four second moment, but it did nod to the fact that, or just like nodded at kind of the, the edge that's always there in Zionism, whether you want to, admitted or not that like if you think something belongs to you no matter what like and other people have lived there historically like there's going to be some violence going on and it, and it, it and i to their credit they like thought about that for a second but i mean not that they like made that at all a central question of the movie but at least like i was curious what you guys thought about that moment
0: I think it's almost surprising how like non allegorical this story is uh, in the movie. Like Caleb mentioned, Kingdom of Heaven earlier, which I think is mostly a movie about the Iraq War, um, but just using the Crusades as like the uh, as the allegory for it. And I think I, I I hear you that there is like that line, the one line in the two and a half hour movie. But like, I think it's <laughs> and, and, all, I think then, it's and like then if a you're sh-
3: watching the the Scott cut, I mean, yeah, the Scott <laughs> cut. Who knows what's in there? <laughs> yeah.
0: um, but I think it, I'm kind of shocked at how like. There is almost no political allegory in here, even though it feels like a movie that thinks it's got one behind it. You know, it, yeah. like, it behaves like it has an allegory and then it just doesn't possess it.
3: Right. And I, again, I think it just comes out like he's just I don't think he knows what he really wants to say about all this other than that. God's not real. <laughs> like like <laughs> And that's then he ends up accidentally saying movie. it. Kind of.
4: He what? Yeah. He accidentally ends up saying it because it's like, yeah, he does
0: too. Yeah. Yeah. The he's... movie's incomprehensible if God isn't real. Like what?
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah, for real. Cause like, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess that was one thing that kind of like uh, it, it didn't like irk me, but it was just like, uh, like the whole God being being played by a kid uh, and like kind of being insolent and and all of that is like, I'm sure Ridley Scott believes he's making the statement of a se- of a century. Oh, he's but yeah. for people who, but like, r- really, all he's doing is saying that like. Man, if you go read this thing, like, this character is a little fucked up. And instead of kind of like rolling with that as an idea of like what this character God is and maybe why all of this is happening, he's just like, well, I guess plagues and freedom. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't ever go anywhere with it. He's just kind of like, it feels like this is how I'm going to make my edgy
3: statement, but yeah. it's not a statement of anything.
4: I mean, that's, a, it's, you know, it's a good fucking encapsulation of the whole fucking movie, isn't yeah. it?
3: Yeah. Well, he just casts about in all these different directions, but never like, follows an idea where he never like sees an idea and then asks how it would affect the rest of the story it's just like what if god was like what if god was real but irrational like what if you know kicking people out of their homeland because you say it's your homeland is bad like you know what if you know what if none of this even happened but it's just a sort of like I don't know. It's just not that like beautiful weaving together of like a complex piece of art. Speaking of
5: weaving, Sigourney Weaver does very little. <laughs>
3: yeah, she's Who around. Is she, ooh, 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 is she, like I was so confused. She's in this
0: movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's, she's, what the she's, yeah. What? She's There's your alien.
0: There's your alien reference. Is Ripley's? Uh,
4: uh, <laughs> Holy shit!
2: Yeah, she, still I mean, a coward. She's, <laughs> she's, she's totally a a a a, a casualty of. Of the the two and a half hour cut, um, yeah, I'm sure. Sh- like, I'm sure there is an hour of like palace intrigue leading up sure. to Moses's banishment. Cause she, she, she be an expensive uh, extra. I mean, like,
3: yeah, it's, it's
5: like, she was. It seems like she was an expensive.
3: Yeah, extra. no, yeah, right, right, yeah, she was. <laughs> oh, actually, you
2: know what this movie
4: did that the the other one didn't do, and the story doesn't even do. Uh, it does actually explain why Moses is constantly at Pharaoh's palace. For no reason, and it explains it by having him not be at the palace. Because in the story, and also in the uh, Ten Commandments, Moses just keeps kind of doing this thing where he pops around the corner in the palace and is like, "Look at me!" Anyways, <laughs> I've Let got my some people go. go. For you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In a way that, like, even if you, if especially if you're trying to tell like a more realistic story, you'd be like, "How is he getting in?" <laughs> yeah, <right>. Like... <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's like when like a guy gets on the lawn of the White House, it's like nobody nobody saw them climbing the fence. <laughs>
4: yeah, or it's and then he like
3: he he so I
4: did appreciate that about the movie and just that like there's this very small minor detail that kind of goes unnoticed that is like very strange of just like it's also not just Moses, it's Moses and his his brother Aaron, two 88 to 96 year old men who just pop out of corners to fucking th- 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 Say shit. I don't know. I appreciated that about it, but really, Scott, ultimately, go fuck yourself.
2: I'm now imagining a, a kind of screwball comedy that surrounds a, a yes. pharaoh and uh, and and uh, Moses. It just like keeps popping up.
3: Honestly, <laughs> I would be more interested in that. Be like spy versus spy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we'd like to. Uh, unless anyone has any other.
2: Well, if. If we're wrapping up, we do a thing on our podcast to wrap up and maybe we can we can throw it to you guys. Yeah, yeah. Please, um, yeah. So generally at, at, at the end of of discussing a movie, we'll we will uh, ask you to debase yourself and condense all of your uh, complicated thoughts and opinions about the film in question to a single phrase. And we'll we'll cut it in two. But. Is Cecil B. DeMille's 1956 film, "The Ten Commandments? Is it a radaptation? adaptation? Is it a bad adaptation? Does it make you feel a little sad adaptation? <laughs> Maybe steaming mad adaptation? any variation thereof of the books of, uh, book of Exodus? Uh, and I will throw it to you boys who have actually read this Godforsaken book.
5: Okay, Ten Commandments. I think we're all in agreement. It's a it's rad adaptation, for sure. Yeah, for
1: the
3: for the jewelry alone. I mean, just mm. ice mm. on ice.
4: Also, big shout out to whoever scored it for fucking creating the idiom that is Western musical scores being <laughs> set in Egypt. <laughs> 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 Like, all right, I understand. Harmonic minor, Ah, the Egyptian
3: cello, yeah,
4: sounds very, Uh you know, to an untrained ear, maybe vaguely Middle Eastern, whatever. Uh So, you know, shout outs for that freestyling. And I don't think they burned all the
0: costumes when it was done. What they they bought they bought all the costumes from like a rival period drama that had come out of like a few months earlier at at 20th Century Fox. And then when they were done with the Ten Commandments, they're like, well, we don't want anyone to do that to us, so they just burned everything.
1: Damn! Wow. wow,
3: that's ice cold. Yeah. That's,
4: <laughs> Jesus. That's some intense energy.
3: I mean, honestly, whatever, they had the fucking money. Also, this thing made a billion dollars in today's money. This is the ninth highest grossing movie yeah. adjusted for Come inflation. On. A billion also, dollars in... In today's money. In today's money. Right? Yeah.
4: Also, not but, that surprising that the guy who narrates his own movie after he lectures it also burns the costumes. <laughs> <laughs> and I've left a set of instructions
3: in my safe for when I'm dead. Um...
4: Yeah, so I think yeah, Radaptation adaptation for 10 commandments. Um, mm.
2: How about Egec? How about Ridley Scott's what? Uh Ridley Scott's uh Egac. Egac.
5: Um
4: sort of like a fart adaptation.
5: <laughs> e fart adaptation, E fartlow um... Yeah, I I don't I don't know if it made me mad. I think maybe I think maybe sad. I think sad adaptation is a good way to put it because it's just kind of a bummer. It's like you're pulled in all this these different directions. You don't really go anywhere with it. You kind of just are confused. It's just kind of sad, man.
3: yeah. I would say bad adaptation, but because like it's not even it doesn't even go in any direction hard enough to make me mad. Like I'm just like it just is a nothing movie. And I was trying for a while I was watching it. I was like, maybe you could call this a good airplane movie. Where you're like, fuck it. I don't have anything else to do. I'll watch this movie. But it's not even good enough to be that. And there's a lot of bad movies that I would watch on an airplane. This is just like a pure waste. (laughs) Yeah, I think I would also say. That. Of money, of the actors in it, of
4: my time. Okay, it's, it's stagehands, <laughs> waste of time. Yeah. Fucking lighting directors, waste of time. Fucking writers, directors, audience members, fucking the people who even had to put in one single drawing of concept art, gigantic fucking waste of time. It's just, like I said, it's it's a bad adaptation because it's basically a cinematic fart.
3: Yeah, I wonder if, like, if Sigourney Weaver sees Release God of Parties and is like, I'm going to throw hands. <laughs> like for what you did. <laughs>
5: no, every I feel like everyone in Hollywood has like I feel like there's a certain amount of mutual understanding and yeah. respect that there are going to be absolute shit movies and you are going to be in them, even if you are talented. You're gonna make them, even if you're talented, and that's just like yeah. Tinseltown, baby.
3: Yeah, this is a total Tinseltown flick. <laughs> 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 like I'm mad that it made money. It made like sixty million dollars. Like yeah, they got the okay. wrong, the wrong lesson.
4: <laughs> well, how wait, how much did it cost? Or is that after? It cost
3: two hundred million, and it made two hundred sixty-eight. Oh, yeah.
2: that's that. Well, it, when you throw in generally, the rule is you have to double the budget. Oh. To make any money, because mm-hmm. when you throw in marketing costs,
1: ah, oh. <laughs> losers. Good, <laughs> losers.
3: then good. Um, what did you guys? What did you guys think? Yeah, what do you guys feel?
0: Uh, I'm definitely glad adaptation on Ten Commandments. Glad to radaptation. It's mm-hmm. like it's like a bit long. I don't know if it justifies its runtime, but it is like a pretty a pretty great spectacle. E.G.A.C. is probably sad adaptation from me. Um. <laughs> The only note I think that is cool about it is that uh, the big grayscale is a very like historically accurate touch because obviously it's ancient Egypt, they haven't invented all the colors that we have today, so, uh, that joke wasn't
5: good. Oh,
3: (laughs) it's okay. I was just, you kind of have like an authority about you when you talk about this sort of (laughs) stuff, so I was like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah,
5: Yeah, It wasn't, wasn't, we all fully believed you about the colors. You can tell us anything.
3: (laughs) Okay
2: uh i'm i'm going a, a hard rat adaptation on the ten commandments i mean four hours is rough and that last hour uh, uh drags a little bit but yeah. like those first three fucking whip ass um in a real way In a, i don't know it's hard to make a tight epic and it, ten commandments comes closed big fan of that film Probably will never watch it again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nor no would I really recommend
3: I'm, it to anyone else, but, you know, we did it, so.
2: For EGAC, I am going to coin a new uh, variation, and I'm yes. going to say this is an EGADaptation. Um, oh, EGAD? <laughs> this is just poorly considered at every every stage of, of production. This film was going to be a disaster, and they kept going, and uh watching this film is the same as watching a train wreck except it's two and a half hours long instead of uh you know 15 seconds um i would much prefer the former Uh, less people uh,
4: die in the train wreck usually too
5: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that just about does it ridley scott you're on notice yeah
3: ridley scott's (laughs) on the watch list that's one of the things (laughs) on our podcast we have a smite me watch list
5: Yeah, and he's on
3: the
4: watch list when he really had the opportunity to basically become a rival pope.
3: Oh, yeah, once again, really missed opportunity on the whole godhead thing.
5: Folks, this has been Best Adapted spite Me Crossover (laughs) Bonanza. Thank you so much for joining us.
4: Oh, should we tell people where? Where? Or I guess what? Yeah, how do we I, handle that? I
5: guess let's just say if you got here because you listen to Best Adapted Podcast, you should listen to Smite Me, and if you're one of our listeners, you should listen to Best Adapted
3: Podcasts. Well you
1: said, Give
3: <laughs> and receive. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. It was fun to. Thanks for having us.